It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball with MLB insider John Heyman and former major leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. We have finally made it to this point in the year. I'm talking playoff baseball. Welcome to Big Time Baseball. I'm Tony Gwynn Jr. alongside John Heyman. We got a terrific show for you today. We're going to preview each matchup in both the American League uh, series that start tomorrow. uh, And we'll also preview the National League series that start Wednesday. John, let me welcome you in. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Tony. I'm really looking forward to the show. This is a big time show. We've got Rob Manfred as well with an interview. So that's really fits the big time. And uh, I'm very excited that we got through this and that we have 16 teams going to the playoffs. Uh, I know not everybody's thrilled. We have uh, two teams with losing records, but uh, I think the main thing is that we got through it or they got through it and uh, we're going to have a postseason. This is terrific. Yeah, there was there was some serious doubt at the beginning of the season whether we'd get to this point, but you got to tip your hat to Major League Baseball. They have found their way through it as along with the players uh, to get to this point. Remember, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Tony Gwynn Jr. He's at John Heyman. And now you can follow this show, Big Time Baseball, on Twitter. Follow us at RDC underscore BTB. That's Big Time Baseball. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Uh, let's get right into it. Um, American League starts this, kicks this thing off first. They pretty much had their uh, eight settled in for the most part, even going into this week. Let's start with the 1 8 matchup, John. Tampa Bay versus Toronto. Toronto finds their way in with this very young squad. Tampa now in the playoffs and back-to-back seasons despite you know doing Tampa things they got rid of a bunch of guys that were 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 important to that team last year yet they find themselves as the number one seed in the American League yeah I'll preface it by saying it's a three-game series anything can happen and give Toronto credit for making it they're a homeless team I guess maybe that's a little harsh (laughs) but they don't have their regular home and they had a lot of injuries and so great job by Charlie Montoyo and the Blue Jays to get there but wow Tampa is really good I mean they were playing for nothing they had everything clinched by Friday they're playing a team that's desperate to get in to just win one game if Philly won one game they were going to be in the playoffs as it turned out Tampa just took it to them and uh, they are a fantastic all-around team it's tough to figure out exactly how they do it but they do do it and uh, it's over 60 games it's not over five games so uh, they've been very impressive and uh, I gotta say I think Tampa's gonna win that series yeah I I would agree with you I I know this uh, Toronto team is young and exciting and and really got healthy there towards the end which which helped them 
uh, find their way into the playoffs. But this Tampa team is tough. Uh, they do a lot of things well defensively. I think they're one of the best teams uh, in baseball. And, you know, they, they have just enough pitching and they have just enough offense to be a, a very dangerous team. Uh, we'll see how this matchup goes. As you mentioned, in a three-game series, which we pretty much watch all season long, teams play these three-game series throughout the regular season. So we see many oftentimes how the worst team can find their way to win two out of three. This is that same type of scenario, only with a little bit of playoff spice to it. But I, I think Tampa wins this series ultimately uh, despite the three-game set and, and going up against Toronto. Let's move to the 2-7 matchup. That's the Oakland Athletics versus the newcomer. The Chicago White Sox have finally arrived. Uh, they had a chance to win their division. They gave it up, but nevertheless, uh, White Sox-Oakland first uh, first round, two versus seven. Yeah, it's two versus seven, but uh, you know I'd be hard pressed to say which team was better this year. Uh, they were yeah. pretty close, you know. And two versus seven sounds like an overmatch, but I mean this is basically a pick 'em. And uh, you know I'm going to go with the White Sox. Uh, you know I like Giolito, uh, I like Keuchel. Um, they've showed some life there the last couple of games. They were struggling. That was making me a little worried. I, I usually don't worry how teams uh, play in the end of the regular season when they've got the playoffs uh, clinched, but uh, they were really struggling. But Luis Robert came to life in that last game, and uh, that offense is uh, fantastic. Oakland's without Chapman, so uh, that's a big loss for Oakland. They Oakland does have that great bullpen, though, so uh, yeah. they're dangerous. They haven't won a playoff series in quite a while. They have a fantastic regular season record, small market team, give them credit, but uh, they have trouble with the playoff series. Uh, this is certainly an opportunity um, here, playing the White Sox, a young team, but I I'm going to narrowly go with the White Sox. Yeah, I'm with you on this, John. I think I think they're going to be more than a few quote-unquote upsets in this first round, just based on the very nature of how the playoffs is set up this year, and this is certainly one of them. I think uh, the White Sox, although they have a young squad, that pitching staff isn't necessarily young. They got some vets in there uh, that have been in these spots before that I think is is going to be a, a big key for the White Sox. I think the, the offense is, is young enough to not uh, really know how big a deal this is going into the playoffs. It's their first experience, and sometimes uh, having that mindset can be a benefit, and I, I think that'll be the case here in this series. I, I also like the White Sox to um, – to win this series. All right, let's move to the 3-6 matchup, John. Uh, Minnesota Twins, Houston Astros. I think this is going to be a, 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 an entertaining playoff series right here. Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to go with the uh, the Twins uh, to win this. I think their uh, starting pitching is better than it's ever been. Um, you know, they, they have not been a great playoff team as well. They usually have to play the Yankees, and uh, they lost so many in a row to the Yankees. I think they're very fortunate that they don't play the Yankees. Uh, they just do not do well uh, against New York. Um, being at home, I think, is a big plus for the Twins. They were great at home this year. They were not good on the road. Same with Houston. Houston has to go on the road. Um, I think it's just a tough year for the Astros all around. Give Dusty Baker, uh, who was on our show uh, early on, a credit for getting them in. That's the fifth team that he's gotten in the playoffs, a record. First American League team. The other four were all National League teams that Dusty got in. Uh, McCullers is looking good. That gives them a, a plus. Altuve finally waking up. That's another plus. So, uh, you know, I think Houston is dangerous. Uh, but Minnesota, that lineup, uh, I, I think they have more in them. Uh, they certainly were better last year offensively, uh, and that that re 
rotation, uh, adding Maeda was a big plus. Pineda is back. Um, you know, I, I think the Twins are uh, – I think they're an underrated team, and I think they win that series. Yeah, I, I think I think this is the year the Twins finally get over the hunt and pump uh, in this first round. They ran into the Yankees a couple years where that ha- that has gone the wrong way for them. I think this is finally the year. Plus, you add to the fact Houston has just had a rough year. Uh, I think this is the year they finally – uh, buy, bow out of the playoffs early. Um, and I think this Twins team is, is prime. I, I, I think they're prime for this moment right here, and, and I think they get out of the first round. All right, uh, let's move to the 4-5 matchup. Cleveland Indians, New York Yankees. Um, I don't know that at the beginning of the year we thought these two teams would be in these particular spots, but nevertheless, here they are, John. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought the Yankees uh, were uh, a dominating team, and they it has not played out that way. I don't know. At times they were, but overall, uh, it, it was not a great year for the Yankees. I, it feels like they have underachieved to me. They have their players back now, which is huge. They were obviously missing Judge and missing Stanton and Torres and even LeMahieu, who's an MVP candidate uh, for a while. And that lineup looks formidable. Cleveland's lineup is, is not great as we know jose ramirez has come on late um you know i'm still gonna go with cleveland in an upset we've we've agreed on the first three i have a feeling we may not agree on this one but I, i'm gonna go with cleveland that first matchup bieber and cole that is the marquee matchup uh the best player the best pitcher in baseball this year uh versus the highest paid pitcher in baseball and the guy who was the best pitcher the last year at least in my opinion i know that verlander won the Cy young but i think cole should have um you know cole is great and you've got tanaka at number two who's got an era under two in the postseason which is the reason the yankees are going to try to keep him uh, one of the reasons they're going to try to keep him um you know I, there's a lot of things to recommend the yankees and the lineup difference is a big thing but the games are in Cleveland. Cleveland's pitching is good. Cleveland's pitching is deep. Uh, I'm gonna get, I'm I'm gonna go for the ups. It's an ups to me. That's an upset, even though Cleveland's at home. I'm gonna go Cleveland. Yeah, this is this is probably the toughest matchup uh, out of the four that we've gone through. Um, and I'm gonna have to go with you on this one. I think we're four I, for four. We're four <laughs> for four on this one. I think Cleveland wins this series. They're at home, and we've seen so often in playoffs. Uh, good pitching beats good hitting. So I I do agree. Cleveland is uh is had started to come on here in the last week offensively, um, but their pitching has been solid all year long, and I think that's the thing they're going to ride. Expected if there's these are low scoring games, Cleveland has the advantage. I think that'll be the case. Um, and I and I also picked the the Cleveland Indians. This this one goes the distance. This one goes the all three games, but uh, I do like Cleveland in that series. All right. Let's switch over to the National League side. Uh, we'll start with the 1-8 matchup. Los Angeles Dodgers, Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers backed into their A spot today, or last yesterday, uh, and they find themselves in the playoffs. Didn't see this coming. I thought this team would be on the outside looking in, but either way, they got to face the very, very tough Los Angeles Dodgers in the first round. Yeah, I mean, we had Dave Roberts on a couple weeks ago, and he – uh, talked about how we didn't like this three game, any three game match. I mean, he didn't know he was playing Milwaukee, obviously, but, uh, I, and I certainly understand that uh, they've got the best team on paper. They have the best team on the field. They've been fantastic. Everybody they call up is a star. Uh, just an incredible, incredible team. It's hard to find a weakness. I guess the one worry with the Dodgers would be 
the back end of that pen, Jansen is not as dominant as he used to be. And Trinan has been a little bit up and down, not perfect. Uh, and Kelly obviously has had his moments. We talked about one of those moments on probably three or four of our podcasts. But uh, <laughs> yeah. their their pen is is good. It's better than most. And, and, I'm, and I'm citing that as their weakness. So that shows you what a good team the Dodgers have. Um, you know, obviously uh, the batting averages are down around baseball. So, you know, Muncie's average is down around 200, maybe a little below. Peterson uh, is down around 200, a little below. So, uh, you know, they didn't have a perfect season, but uh, they came pretty close to a perfect season. Uh, Milwaukee's got a good top two pitchers there. If Burns Burns uh, is not going to be able to make it, though. So uh, Burns is not going to pitch in that in the series. So you've got Woodruff, uh, who just had a pitch. Uh, uh, so, you know, Milwaukee's at a, in a tough spot. They don't have the – rotation at full strength. Uh, and they obviously have a fantastic bullpen. If it's a bull, if they get it to a bullpen matchup in the end and you've got uh, Devin Williams, who was the best reliever in baseball this year, not even close rookie. And he might even win rookie of the year as a reliever, which is not easy. I'm not saying he's going to Cronenworth's been fantastic. May Bohm, They've all been good. They've been four or four candidates, but Devin Williams has been the top reliever in the game. And, of course, you've got Hayter and you've got Peralta, who's got incredible stuff. So if they can get to a bull, bullpen game, they may eke out one or two wins. But, uh, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pretty surprised if the Dodgers don't win this series. Yeah, I will, too. And I, I think you're right. The danger here is Milwaukee, out of all the teams in, the, in this playoff, have made a living, especially in the postseason, using their bullpen in that unique fashion where – you could see a starter go two innings, and all of a sudden it becomes a bullpen day. The issue with that is this year there are no days off. You play through each three games will come on back-to-back-to-back days. Uh, so I think that puts them at a disadvantage in terms of some of the Dodgers' averages being low. Listen, in a 60-game season, you just can't put a whole lot of credence in numbers because uh, this game is usually played out over 162 games where you get to see the ebbs and flows. That there's a chance we could be seeing teams, guys, teams go into this series where it looked like they were coming in a, in, a, in a lower flow. All of a sudden, they start to rise. I wouldn't be surprised at all. That's why for the statistics, you can't put a whole lot of, uh, of, of mustard into those because uh, this game is just not played that way normally. So uh, I like the Dodgers in this series. I think this team is just too deep. You mentioned the closing situation, certainly not ideal, but – they have options. I don't know that any team has as many options to at the back end uh, as the Dodgers do, which I think will be helpful if, for some reason, Kenley Jansen can't quite uh, get back to the level that we're used to seeing him. All right. Uh, the 2-7 matchup is, is an interesting one. The Atlanta Braves versus the Cincinnati Reds. I say this is interesting because, listen, the Reds are a dangerous team right now. They finally started to kick it in gear uh, towards the end of the season. We know how offensively good or how good offensively, excuse me, the Braves are, um, but they are lacking some pitching. And I think it's, it, it could show up in this regular season. Who you got, John? Or excuse me, in this playoff, who you got? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Braves. You know, I know the Reds are the hot pick and a lot of people are saying that they're going to win this. It's a 2-7. And, I, and I'm looking at that as a legit 2-7. And, that, and what I'm saying is Atlanta has played like a two and Cincinnati has played like a seven over the course yeah. of the season. Now, Cincinnati's been much better in the last week or week and a half. 
and they've come to life. They've turned it on. Um, let's see if they can keep it on. Uh, they obviously have a very dangerous tr- team with Bauer, uh, Cy Young candidate uh, pitching uh, game one. Uh, they have a very good rotation for a three-game series, particularly with Castillo and Gray as well. They are a very dangerous team. Their lineup, I like that too. But, boy, the Braves can mash, and they've made the most of it. As it turns out, Freed had a little bit of an ankle situation. Uh, he's gotten clearance to pitch. Uh, he's their ace. Uh, that's a plus for them. Obviously, the Braves have lost. What have they lost between Hamels and Felix and Fulte and Soroka, who was their ace? Uh, they've lost at least four, maybe five starters over the course of the year. And uh, they're going to have to bash their way through it. That's not going to be easy, but I'm going to say they can bash away in round one, and uh, they're going to eke this one out, um, Braves over Cincinnati. Yeah, I'm taking the upset on this one. I'm taking the Reds. I, 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 this was a team that I picked at the beginning of the year to be a, a kind of a dark horse in it, and this is the scenario that I think most teams uh, that had an opportunity of facing the Reds were hoping to stay away from. Their frontline starters – um are good and they've started to pitch well at the right time bauer's been terrific all season long i mean there's a reason why he is a cy young candidate uh some would argue at the very top of that list but um with him you 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 you, you also got sunny gray in that rotation uh and you also have the, the young kid castilla that that three is dangerous i think their bullpen has gotten better too uh, over the last few weeks so uh, I think that this has an opportunity to see one of the bigger upsets in this uh, in this playoff series, and, and I, I'm going to take the seven seed Cincinnati Reds. You know what, Tony? I, I'm not sure that's a huge upset. You know, I yeah, you're I, right. I, you're right. I mean, the Reds are were a trendy pick. I had them making the playoffs, winning that division. Uh, they just didn't wake up until there were ten games to go, and maybe this is them. And if it is, they will win that. Uh, they will win that contest, but, uh, you know, I just, over the course of the 60 games, I, I'm impressed by the Braves and Freeman and Ozuna and uh, all the rest uh, there. So um, that's why I went with Atlanta, but uh, yeah, I, I, it's an upset in that it's a two versus a seven, but I'm right. not going to be shocked if you're right. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, both teams were picked. Uh, a lot of people picked the Reds to win the division. They didn't, as you said, they didn't wake up till late. So, uh, just in terms of the seeding, it would be a big upset. All right, let's move to uh, the three-six matchup: Chicago Cubs, Miami Marlins, and I keep going back to it, John. <laughs> we had Don Mattingly on early in the season, and he told us his team had a legitimate shot. And I don't know. Did you believe him? Did you? We can't, we can't see each other, but I feel like both of us rolled our eyes when he said yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> it, it. It turns out he, he was spot on. Exactly right. He was in, He was right on. Uh, it's amazing. The Miami is the story of the year. Not only a rebuilding team, but then 18 guys, 60% of their uh, active roster got COVID, and they were out for a long time. The rules changed later, and guys were able to come back a little bit quicker later later. Uh, Thankfully, it got cleaned up, and there weren't many more outbreaks. Basically, only one, St. Louis. Uh, but Don Manningly uh, was great on our show. He did a fantastic job. I didn't have this vote. So that's why I didn't quote, comment too much on Bauer and Darvish and the others, because I had the Cy Young vote, so I can't comment on that. But Don Manningly, to me, is the manager of the year. Fantastic job. And they didn't just kind of limp in. Uh, they have played the Yankees at the end yeah. of the season. And, uh, you know, they, they I'm convinced that they're a little dangerous uh, obviously, they got Sixto Sanchez and Alcantara and Lopez. They've got a good 
top three. You know, one thing about all these playoff teams, they they all have at least at least a couple of good pitchers. You know uh, that you know you don't get even the 28, 29 wins without a couple of good pitchers. So uh, Miami definitely has those starters. Uh, their position players have played better than I would have thought. Marte's been a big plus, but I'm I'm gonna pick the Cubs here. I I, I my heart says Miami, but uh, uh, boy, Darvish who's fantastic this year. Again, no comment on Cy Young, but fantastic this year. Hendricks, also fantastic uh, this year. Um, Kimbrell's doing better. Uh, Bryant is seems to be healthy now. I know it's only two games that he's been really good, but a very talented player. Uh, looking at that lineup, and again, I look at the Yankee and Indian lineup. The Yankee lineup's much better, and I did go with the Indians. But in this case, the Cub lineup versus Miami lineup is quite an overmatch, so... Uh, I, I'm going to say, and, and again, Miami, you got to give them this. They have never lost a postseason series. The two times they made the playoffs, they won the World Series. I mean, if they win it this year, uh, this will be a bigger upset than the New York Mets winning the 69 or the Los Angeles Dodgers winning an 88. So to get through a gauntlet like this, uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, it's probably still 100 to one shot, but give them credit for where they what they've done and what they've accomplished and uh, it's all great for the Marlins, uh, but to me, uh, th- their accomplishment was getting in. So uh, Cubs Cubs have bigger fish to fry, and I think they win the series. Cubs do have bigger fish to fry. I think this will be the other big upset right here. I, I'm, wow. taking the Marlins, I'm taking the Marlins in this series. I always feel like um, when a team has pitchers that uh, 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 another team hasn't seen, the advantage goes to the team with the the, the fresh picture, the pitchers that they ha- that haven't been seen. And Interesting. Being that, being that all the teams face their own division this year, there are going to be some faces that uh, that this Chicago Cub team hadn't seen. A Sixto is one of them, um, and, and I think that's an advantage for the Marlins. And I think at this point. They don't fear anybody. They they've been told all year long that they were supposed to uh, be at the bottom of the cellar. I just we just told you how both John and I rolled our eyes when Don told us they had a chance <laughs> to get the playoffs, and that wasn't just me and John. That was pretty much everybody in baseball felt that way. But here they are in that sixth sixth spot, and I think they have a lot of momentum going their way. Their offense, when you put it on paper, certainly. Um, isn't an offense that compares to the Chicago Cubs. By no means would anybody say that. But I think if they keep these scores low and this pitching can can really, uh, you know, start to, to, to bully a little bit that lineup that hasn't seen a lot of these guys, I think the Marlins can win this series. I'm going to take the Marlins in, in, in this one. Wow, uh, Tony, okay. uh, I'm impressed. <laughs> Good job. I'm, 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 stepping, I'm stepping out on the ledge on this yeah, one. Yeah, I'm going to be more impressed if you're actually right, but I'm impressed already. <laughs> Let's go to the four or five seed, uh, the San Diego Padres and the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, the last two, the last year the Padres made the playoffs was fourteen years ago. They faced a very, uh, they faced a St. Louis Cardinals team in both, uh, I, I believe it was 05 and 06, lost in the first round. So there's some uh, hesitation from Padre fans that we don't want to see the Cardinals, but. I think this Padre team is a much different team than than that 14 years ago. This Cardinal team is a much different team. They don't have the likes of Albert Pujols and Jim Edmonds roaming the field anymore. I think this Padre team is one of the more complete teams in the National League. I think they win this series, uh, although I will put a caveat in there. We don't know exactly what the deal is with Mike Clevenger and the Nelson Lamette, both 
Uh, Clevenger left after his start, his last start after the first inning. Denelson Lamette left his start with some bicep uh, tightness. So there is uh, some unanswered questions. If those two guys are available, I think the Padres win this. If they're not, that could be a different story, John. Tony, I like how you jumped in there and went slightly out of order by giving the pick before me that time. <laughs> you were so anxious to uh, give your backing to the Padres. I, I, I'm with you. I, I mean, it, it's a little dicey because we really don't know on the pitchers. They haven't. They've publicly they've they've said they're not ruling out Clevenger. Well, I, I happen to know that it's quite a long shot that he's going to be pitching in that first round. Uh, you know, I think they're playing. You know, you know. I guess why rule it out if it's, if it's even one out of a hundred, but. Uh, you know, I, I think they're going to play it carefully with Clevenger. Uh, Lamette, they, they are speaking much more optimistically about it. It's a little worrisome if he's going to be at 100%. Uh, percent. He is a Cy Young candidate. He's been fantastic. I, I'm going to suggest that he's going to be okay and pitch a good game. We'll see. Uh, I mean, this is the question. They're not really at full strength. Uh, I'm not too worried about the history of the teams, but I understand how that plays in. If the Minnesota was playing the Yankees, even though Minnesota has been better this year, I'd still pick the Yankees. So I get it. St. Louis has been a playoff stalwart. They still have Yadi Molina, if not Edmonds and Pujols. Uh, they're dangerous. I love Flaherty. Their pitching has been excellent. Their hitting has not been good at all this year. They have one guy in the top 50 OPS, and that's Goldschmidt. They have two in the top 100. That's not good at all. Uh, so uh, they, they're definitely a, a, a major threat to win this series. And uh, uh, But I'm, I'm going to go with San Diego. It's funny that this is a four versus a five. San Diego's had such a good year, and St. Louis has had such a terrible year, and this is a four and a five. It's very weird. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. that's the way it's set up. San Diego is a four because they came in second place to the Dodgers, who wouldn't. And uh, St. Louis is one of those about 500 teams, a little bit better, uh, that got in. Uh, and, you know, they, just like Miami, they did survive the COVID. So uh, if you want to give them credit for that, they can have credit for that. But their pitching is good. Uh, they could easily win this series, particularly with San Diego not being at full strength. But uh, I'm, I'm definitely swayed by your enthusiasm, Tony. So I'm going with the Padres. <laughs> I'm glad I could persuade you. All right, that does it for our uh, breakdown of the American League Series and National League Playoff Series. Uh, but we had some John. We got John Heyman's inside corner. Uh, John, let's hop right into it. Uh, the Angels they decide to move on from Mister Epler after five years. Uh, where do they go from here? Because listen, I think the thing that stands out to everybody is the simple fact that you are at this point wasting away what could be go down as one of the best careers uh, in baseball with Mike Trout at this point and. Um, I, I think that's a problem. Absolutely. And uh, he's surely getting frustrated. Uh, quite a team player hasn't gone crazy over it, but he did mention that he'd like to get in the playoffs at some point. Again, he only had one chance. I covered that series versus the Royals and they were swept out of there. Uh, and then the year the Royals went to the World Series. But uh, Mike Trout uh, is uh, the best player in the game. It would be a shame if they don't figure it out. Uh, first on Billy Epler, um, you know, he's there for five years. They did not have a winning season in those five. I, I will say this with the angels, uh, Artie Moreno makes a lot of the calls. Uh, you know, he's the owner of the team. That's his right. Certainly it, every situation's a little bit different, but, uh, he brought in a young general manager who came from the Yankees, did a great job there. And, uh, he's, he's 
Artie felt that he wanted to make the calls and uh, he did make the calls and uh, what they did do, uh, this is before Apple got there. And then even after is they sign a lot of hundred million dollar plus contracts. They, they've in fact had more $100 million plus contracts than the Yankees or the Dodgers or anybody else over the last decade. Six of them. In fact, two of them have been Mike Trout, but there've been others as well. We know about Pujols and Hamilton and Upton and uh, they have spent a lot of money to not win. And uh, I'm sure Artie Moreno is frustrated as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't put this blame on Epler because, as I said, every organization is different. In this situation, uh, the, the the owner has a lot of say. Uh, that could change, though, depending on who he hires. And uh, the, the speculation is centering around Dave Dombrowski uh, coming in. Now, uh, Dombrowski is, I don't know if it's his best friend, but he's very close to Tony LaRussa. LaRussa was recently brought on uh, with the Angels to be a consultant to Artie Moreno. Uh, with that being said, uh, we know that he's stumping for Dombrowski without even asking. Uh, Dombrowski certainly has the credentials, the qualifications. He got to the World Series with Detroit twice. He won the World Series with Boston. He won the World Series with the Marlins. Uh, he's been around forever. He knows La Russa th- through the White Sox. He's a, Dombrowski's from Chicago and was a young man in that front office when uh, La Russa was with the White Sox, uh, being an excellent manager, winning ugly in 83, and then uh, unceremoniously getting fired in what Jerry Reinsdorf called the, the worst decision he's ever made. Um, so Dombrowski's, the speculation is going to be about Dombrowski. Um, beyond that, we haven't heard many names. Josh Burns did interview uh, there last time. Uh, he is in the neighborhood being a Dodger uh, executive living in San Diego. And uh, that's another possibility. Uh, but I think it's basically either Dombrowski or somebody else with the Angels. That's the way they're going to run that. With Epler out, there seems to be uh, maybe some other GMs on the hot seat. What are you hearing there? Yeah, I mean, you hear you hear a lot of speculation about, in two or three places, and let me go over each one of those. Uh, in, in Philadelphia, uh, Matt Klintak is, is hearing a lot of uh, negativity, shall we say, from yeah. media, local radio, uh, and certainly from fans. Um, I think he, uh, if you go on Twitter, you, and of course, there's a lot of negativity on Twitter anyway, but uh, there's a lot of uh, negativity about uh, how the Phillies did. And again, they have not, they've been basically about a 500 team in the last couple of years, even bringing in first Arietta, then in uh, signing uh, Bryce Harper, then signing Zach Wheeler. And obviously Harper has played well. He had a very good year. Uh, his OPS over 900 played very good down the stretch. Wheeler was a very good signing. I, I, I would say Arietta hasn't lived up to his contract, but the other two were uh, very good signings. He brought in Joe Girardi. You really can't argue with that. Uh, they did go one in seven down the stretch. I mean, I think they had a tough draw playing Tampa, a team that was out of it by Friday, but they just kept playing and they kept beating them. And all Philly had to do was win one game as it turned out, because they had the tiebreaker on Milwaukee and they could not do it. And, uh, you know, uh, obviously this is a, a very disappointing year for the Phillies, but uh, you know, I think with Klintek having two more years on his contract, the support of Andy McPhail uh, I think there's a chance that they end up uh, keeping him. It would be kind of expensive not to. I could be proven wrong. Uh, this is on tape. So uh, by the time someone hears this, they may see that I was incorrect about this, and as well as our predictions uh, for the series. So who knows? But uh, I, I think that uh, if I had to bet now, I think there's a decent chance that Klintak will be kept. Uh, he was hired by McPhail, uh, but he clearly is on the hot seat. Um 
Another one is in Colorado, obviously, uh, Jeff Breidich, the GM there. Um, he's been there for a few years. They went to the playoffs a couple of years, but the last two have been disappointing. Got off to a hot start this year. Um, but the signings really have not been good. Uh, obviously, no, no. Uh, Ian Desmond, that didn't work out. Uh, Murphy, who was a fantastic signing for the Nats, uh, off of the Mets, uh, incredible. He went to Colorado and has had two down years. Um, so you got Murphy, you got Desmond, and all those relievers that he signed were not good in Colorado for whatever reason. Uh, between uh, McGee uh, was not good, Shaw was not good, Wade Davis was not good in Colorado. It's tough to bring in a pitcher. You remember when Mike Hampton went in there? It's tough yeah. to bring in a pitcher into Colorado. I think they've helped it out a little bit better with the humidity, but. Uh, uh, it's still tough. Uh, so in terms of the free agent signings, it's not been good. I will say this. Colorado is a team of stability. I know when Dan O'Dowd left, he was offered to stay on even further. Uh, people say the Monfords just do not fire anybody. And um, that seems to be the case. Uh, they uh, will keep their general managers, uh, you know, uh, almost no matter what. So, I, I, you know, when you hear a little buzz on Colorado, again, I think uh, – I'm going to guess more likely than not that he he stays. We we shall see. Um, we shall see about that. I could be proven wrong early in the week, but uh, we will see. The other one is the Mets, and we've been over this on every podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we every time. Uh, Steve Cohn is coming in. Uh, it'll be a shock if he doesn't. We can ask uh, Rob Manfred about that, but. Uh, uh, you know, he's coming in, he's bringing in Sandy Alderson, who's in charge of baseball. And obviously Sandy had been there through 2018 or into 2018. And then, uh, was replaced by Brody Van Wagenen. And now I don't know that he has any particular issue with Brody Van Wagenen, but it would be very unusual, uh, for a new team president to come in and keep the general manager off of a disappointing season like the Mets had. And they clearly had a very disappointing season. I, personally, it's only been two years or not. If you count this as a full year, a year and a half for uh, Brody Van Wagen and many general managers get five years or 10 years or however long they get a long time to build up what they want to do. Uh, but there's been a lot of focus on the, tra- the moves that didn't work. And the fact that this was a disappointing season, uh, you know, I think that uh, Steve Cohn and uh, Sandy Alderson are very likely uh, to bring in their own guy and uh, figure out who their general manager is going to be, whether that be one of Sandy's old cohorts in uh, Oakland, uh, Paul De Podesta, or perhaps Billy Owens, who is a very smart guy, uh, has never had the chance to be a general manager. I think any of that's possible. I don't see as the speculation is run, and we had Brian Cashman on last week, that it could be a Brian Cashman or a Theo Epstein. Once you have Sandy Alderson in there, he's going to have big say. So uh, general managers who have job, big jobs already uh, and have the full power uh, are not going to go to work for somebody and not have that power. So uh, they're going to get a younger guy, uh, maybe a guy who has been with Oakland, who Sandy knows. But uh, I think that's the one that's likely to change. Yeah, this this it, it's it's an interesting uh, scenario right now. Obviously, usually you have 162 games to evaluate in a 60 game season. It just seems a little short sighted to make decisions based off of this year. Uh, New York's a little bit different monster. Obviously, anytime new ownership comes on comes in. Uh, all bets are really off in terms of uh, stability for jobs that were there prior to the new ownership taking over. It usually happens. New owners take over. They want their own guys, as you mentioned, John. Uh, we'll see how the Mets situation unfolds. Uh, 
Speaking of this short season and we've gone over GMs, let's move to the manager side because uh, we've already had one firing in Boston. Uh, the Red Sox and, and Renicky decide to part ways. What happened there and who's next? Who's the next Red Sox skipper? A very interesting question. Yeah, Ron Renicky, very solid, uh, excellent baseball man. He certainly uh, knew the team. They knew him. They were comfortable with him. Uh, he did seem like a placeholder, though. He was just elevated from a coach job, uh, you know, over 60 years old. And uh, obviously they had a new GM in there, but they had a sudden firing of Alex Cora. Very sad firing. Everybody was very unhappy with it at the time, even the people who fired him. So that was a very unusual firing uh ron renicky came in and it stable stabilized things but uh this is not a surprise at all i think the question is do they bring cora back or do they find somebody else and uh you know i think that's probably 50 50 at this point i've heard other people tell me it's 70 percent or 80 percent that cora is brought back uh you know he won the world series for them in 2018 his transgressions happened largely with the Astros, not with the Red Sox. The, the ownership loves them. The fans would be happy. Uh, so there's a lot of pluses there. The, uh, the negatives are that uh, while he did use analytics, he isn't a completely 100% analytics guy, which would be something that uh, Chaim, Chaim Bloom, the relatively new GM of Boston, uh, might look for. And he's obviously not Chaim's guy. He was there before Heim got there, and there's a chance that Heim will want to pick his own guy. Uh, general managers, if we look at the history of it, they often pick their own guy, whether it's somebody they've known previously or just make a selection of the guys that they've interviewed. But I know that they've already begun the process. They've been, be started reaching out to people, at least for recommendations. Uh, they've been talking to people about Cora and about others. So they're weighing the idea of bringing in somebody else to do the job. So I'm not ready to say it's 70 or 80% that it could be Alex Cora, but uh, I, uh, I do think that uh, he's got a, a pretty good chance based on the fan and ownership response. And uh, Chaim's going to have to weigh whether he wants to go with the, what the owners want. And I don't think he's going to worry that much about what the fans say, but go with what the owners want or, uh, pick his own guy he could pick a guy from Tampa uh, that hiring people from Tampa is very popular these days. We know that uh, click is the GM of the Astros now and uh, Heim was in Tampa. So Matt Quattraro, the bench coach of Tampa would be a name I'd throw out there, but I really have no insight into whether they have a relationship, close relationship or not. So I don't know, but the question is, are they going to bring Cora back or not? That's the first question they need to ask themselves. Yeah, that, that's an interesting one because obviously Cora has shown himself to be a terrific manager. Uh, unfortunately, as you mentioned, his discretions from prior to being in Boston uh, kind of came back to, to bite him a little bit. It'll be interesting to see because uh, you get the sense that, as you mentioned, there were a lot of people that didn't want to see Alex Cora go. So uh, it'll be interesting to see which direction. Usually the owner's wishes went out. We'll see how this one goes. Uh what about any other managerial changes? You, you hearing anything on that front? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see, like you said, uh, Tony, uh, I think and it's very important to note, this is only a 60-game series. It's very hard uh, to make a judgment on a 60-game series. We had 10 managerial changes, 11 if you want to count the Mets making two changes right. uh, over last winter. Um last year. So presumably someone's in there for a year. Uh, they're not really going to be in jeopardy. Um, 
you know, I, and I think that some of the guys who had bad years like uh, Texas with Woodward uh, and Arizona with Lavello, um, they built up enough um, um, good cheer, shall we say. They've built up enough of a resume that I, I don't see them uh, being in jeopardy. Um, I, I would say that, uh, you know, with a new ownership coming in, all bets are off and, uh, Luis Rojas only been there 60 games and it's very difficult to judge on 60 games anyway, but particularly difficult for a new person to come in and make the judgment. But, uh, you know, there's probably going to be a new general manager there and he may want to bring in his own guy. So, uh, you know, fair, unfair as it may be, uh, Luis Rojas, I mean, oversaw, Obviously, the Mets were a disaster this year. I mean, 26 yeah. and 32, uh, you know, you look at their hitting stats. Uh, obviously, the Braves were the best, but they're in the top five in most of the hitting categories. They have the best pitcher in the game. Uh, they certainly have invested a lot of money in that bullpen. Maybe they didn't invest it that wisely. I don't, I don't know. But, um, you know, I don't think anybody expected them to be this bad. Um, you know, it'd be a tough it'd be a tough one. Uh, to let go a, a guy who only had 60 games, uh, that would be difficult. But uh, to me, that would be the one that you might think of where they they could make a change. Uh, other than that, we're going to have a pretty a pretty mild managerial uh, winter. Uh, certainly, Detroit has to uh, find a manager, and we talked about that uh, uh, last week. Um, Don Kelly, uh, Pirates coach, who was with Detroit, I think is a is a good candidate there. And Mike Redman, who's a coach in Colorado, uh, and knew Al Avila from the Marlins days, are candidates there as well. But uh, I think the focus will be more on uh, free agency than on uh, on the managers as we get into this winter. Speaking of free agency and players, we've talked a lot about front offices and, and managerial moves. Let's talk about uh, what's your hearing on the player side. Uh, J.D. Martinez has an opt-out clause. I doubt he's taking it. What do you hear? <laughs> yeah, your guess is good on that one. He's got two years to go at close to $20 million a year. Uh, his OPS was around 620, 630 this year. He did not have the typical year, whether that's because he wasn't able to uh, review the video during the game. I don't know. I got a list of 30 or 40 really good hitters uh, who did not have their typical year uh, right. at all. And, uh, you know, Christian Yelich predicted this would happen to somebody, and it happened to him. He did not have his usual year. And J.D. Martinez, those are the two most obvious. But you look at that list, there are a lot of good hitters, historically good hitters, who batted 220, 210, even under 200. So uh, he did not have his usual year, but he cannot be a free agent. So he will not opt out of that contract. He will stay in Boston. So they have him. The other question was Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, he is a free agent. Uh, they can give him a qualifying offer. I do not think they will give it to him. It's going to be around 18 million again, 18 and 19 million. I think they haven't said for sure, but uh, that's my understanding. Uh, I I think that uh, they've decided that you know in this environment that's a lot of money uh, for any players. 18, 19 million. You have to be a big star. Uh, so I don't think they're going to give him that qualifying offer. He's going to be a free agent, and I think he's been looking forward to it. He's kind of has the Mookie Betts mindset where he wants to be a free agent and look around. I know Betts eventually did go to a second team and take the money uh, in this pandemic, but I, I think Bradley's looking forward to the free agency and certainly going to be interesting with the center fielders. George Springer, 
also a, a free agent, uh, expected to look around as well. I, I do think they may give him the qualifying offer. I'm just guessing on that one, but he's been pretty darn good player. Um, but I, I, I could see Springer potentially going to back home to New England and going to Boston. That's just speculation on my part. Boston will be looking more at pitchers, of course. But uh, if Bradley does leave, they're going to have to look at that outfield situation. Benintendi hasn't been that good the last year and a half, and it certainly will need a, a center fielder. Boston's had some good signs in the second half, though. Uh, Tanner Houck has been very good from the pitching standpoint, and we know uh, Sale will be back at some point next year. We certainly hope and pray that Eduardo Rodriguez will be back to full strength. He's give a go-ahead to walk on a treadmill. Uh and uh, get going and ramp up now. A very unfortunate situation uh, with the COVID. He's the one player that we know of that it really has affected and knocked him out for the entire season. But we hope that he will be back. But uh, Boston has some big decisions. They have, first have to decide whether they're still going to rebuild next year, whether they can get back in it. And uh, my suspicion, if Eduardo Rodriguez and Sale can come back, they can get back in it. Yeah. Uh, anytime, anytime you can get those type, type of pitchers, Back on your roster with healthy, uh, that definitely boosts your chances. You, you were talking about Springer and Bradley. Who who are you hearing is actually looking for a center fielder? Center field is going to be a very interesting market. I, I do think the Phillies will look at center field. Uh, I think the Pirates will look at center field. The Mets, Nimmo is a pretty good, pretty good outfielder, but he's not an elite center fielder. I think they will look at center field. Boston's going to have to look at center field if Bradley is a free agent. Obviously, Houston will have to look at it. So. Uh, it could be a wild time. I, I think Bradley and Springer could do pretty well. There are some other center fielders out there, potential like Kevin Pillar and other guys like that. But uh, there's really two uh, really excellent players, uh, starting players who are going to be out there, and that's Springer and Bradley. Uh, you mentioned Philly in the in the in the running for possibly a center fielder. Uh, they definitely need to be in a running for catcher, and and I bring that up because uh, the chances of Rio Muto being back to Philly. What are you hearing on, on that front? Yeah, this is one of our favorite topics, along with the Steve Cohn Mets topic. Uh, Real Muto, um, you know, you're hearing some pessimism from Philly people about Real yeah. Muto and the ability to sign him. I understand they gave up to Sixto Sanchez and Jorge Alfaro. Uh, you know, they gave up a lot to get him for two years. Uh, they've made some efforts. I don't know that anything recent, but they, they've made some tries. Uh, my understanding is the sides are far apart and, and, and Philly people don't know for sure because they don't know exactly what's in the mind of Real Muto or his agent. But uh, he's clearly going to be a free agent at this point and uh, have the opportunity to look around. He's a unique player under 30 um, catcher. Uh, so middle of the middle of the lineup and middle of the defense. So very valuable player. As we've said on here before, uh, he's certainly using the comp of Maurer for eight year deal. And, uh, you know, some people don't think they want to give a catcher a long deal. There have been catchers that have played into their late thirties and forties. Even Carlton Fisk is one example, but there've been many catchers who played a long time. And obviously Alier Molina is still going and his career will continue, uh, even beyond this year, I'm sure. So, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people are going to say catcher, that's a tough position. We only want to give five years, but there's going to be somebody out there who's going to give them more than five years. Maybe the Phillies will press it a little bit. They've got John Middleton, the owner, who's, who's obviously not averse to signing big guys. As we mentioned, Arietta and uh, Harper, Wheeler, he signed a lot of big guys. So, you know, it's a wild card. But at this point, I think they may turn their attention elsewhere if, if 
their pessimistic feelings come true and they may look at uh, instead and spend that money on Trevor Bauer. Uh, we will see. I think a lot of teams are looking at Trevor Bauer off the year that he had and the fact that he said he'd like to do one-year deals. We'll see. He's a free agent now. We'll see how much he really wants to do a one-year deal. Uh, he's got a new agent. I, it'd be unlikely. Uh, we've never seen that before. We have a a real star player come out and say, I want, I want to do a one-year deal. Well, that's that's what he said. So that's going to pique a lot of interest at least. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I think teams are realistic and know that they probably have to do more than a one-year deal. But Philly could turn their attention that way and uh, spend on Bauer instead. They could look at McCann, a uh, catcher with the White Sox, who's having a nice year, nice two years in a row. And uh, they probably need to clean up in center field as well. So they've got some issues uh, but at this point, if we're going to sit here today, uh, you know, most stars uh, who, who become free agents, uh, you know, sometimes there are ex- there are some uh, examples of, of teams that have kept them like Bernie Williams many years ago. And that was a great idea to keep Bernie Williams before 98. And uh, they had the greatest year of the last 50 years of any team, probably. Uh, so it's you can't rule it out. But once a player becomes a free agent who's a star like this. Uh, it wouldn't be shocking if he went elsewhere and uh, played for somebody else. And we know the Mets are coming into some money soon, as we've talked about as well. So that that's an opportunity for Real Mudo potentially. Who else is? Who else are you hearing that might be interested aside from the Phillies in Real Muto? Well, I mean, I do. The Mets need a catcher. There's no question about it. Wilson Ramos was not good this year, and he's a free agent anyway. So they have no catcher. Uh, so uh, you know, that's clearly an example of a player who's played with two other teams in their division uh, they've seen him and uh, they've got they're coming into money as we know assuming that steve Cohen is approved um that is their area of need uh, beyond that i could see the nats looking at catcher i mean i wouldn't rule out the yankees uh, they looked at real mudo in the trade front and didn't want to give up gary sanchez at the time well gary sanchez has not been the same player in the last two years particularly this year and i i i i've got to think you know, obviously uh, Cole is using a personal catcher now in Higashioka. He's not even using Gary Sanchez. They've got Cole for the next nine years. Uh, maybe just like Higashioka. Maybe it's nothing about Sanchez, but uh, Sanchez has worked hard on his defense, but his defense, uh, the framing is better, but the rest of the defense is still issues. And uh, speaking of the guys who hit below 200 this year, he hit way below 200. So, uh, you know, Real Muto really fits their team better. As somebody who can really get hits more than another slugger. They've got sluggers. So uh, I'm not going to rule out New York for Real Muto. I know he's from uh, the Oklahoma area, but, you know, people people who – you don't have to be from New York to thrive in New York. Ron Guidry was from uh, Louisiana. Uh, you know, a lot of their – Mickey Mantle was from Oklahoma. Yankees have done well in Oklahoma. They had Mick Bobby Mercer too. So um, – you know, I, I think New York, Washington, those are the, those are the two areas that come to mind for uh, for Real Muto for me. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting offseason. Stay tuned, stay put. Uh, we have Commissioner Rob Manfred coming on to join us uh, to talk about the season as a whole and this upcoming playoffs uh, season. 